On Sunday, dads across Australia were celebrated by their families for Father's Day, whether in person or virtually. But for new dads, Australia has one of the least generous parental leave schemes in the developed world. And Australian fathers have been reluctant to access what little leave is available to them. To coincide with Father's Day, our team has released a new report, Dad Days, how more gender equal parental leave would improve the lives of Australian families. And with me to discuss this very topic is none other than the Grattan CEO, Danielle Wood, and Senior Associate Owen Emsley, who are both authors of this report. So I know both of you are parents managing lockdown life and producing a Grattan report at the same time. How's it going? (laughs) I don't know if you want to ask that question. I mean, uh, look, I I normally refer to to my life as organised chaos. I think we we may have slipped into disorganised chaos at the moment. Yeah, in, in all seriousness, I mean, we're, we're both just some of the many millions of parents um, in lockdown cities trying to find those extra hours um, either to juggle childcare or, or homeschooling. It's not easy to find those extra hours in a week when you, you're already busy between work and care. You know, I think we have it good compared to, you know, essential workers that are not able to work from home, single parents that don't have anyone to share the care with. Lockdown is very tough on people with caring responsibilities. Yes, absolutely. The uh, and the irony of um, trying to find space and time away from the kids to, to to put in the extra hours required at the end of a report about taking extra time with your children is uh, is not lost on me. So before we get into the report, I want to clarify that the report specifically looks at heterosexual couples, as there is a lot more data available. But the recommendations in made in the report will also benefit LGBTIQ couples and single parents. So let's start with a little bit of clarity about what the situation is right now. What are Australia's current dad leave policies and where do they sit on the global scale? I might start with you, Owen. Australia has one of the least generous schemes in the developed world when it comes to government paid parental leave in terms of the, the length and the rate of pay. And that's true for the, the primary carer scheme, which is mostly used by women, and the secondary carer scheme that's mostly used by men. Because basically hardly any men use uh, use the primary carer scheme. We're talking, when, when you're talking about dad leave in Australia, you're talking about the dad and partner pay, which is two weeks at the minimum wage. And there's also a lot of barriers to taking that up. Um, a big one is having to negotiate unpaid leave from your employee. You can't um, be on any kind of paid leave while taking dad and partner pay. So between having to do that and negotiate Centrelink's sometimes arcane processes, uh, it's no wonder that a lot of a lot of dads don't even bother. That, that's the situation in Australia. A lot of countries are moving, uh, moving in the other direction and having generous schemes with generous periods of time set aside for each parent. A lot of countries in Europe have four or more weeks that are that are dedicated to the father, sometimes up to 16 weeks. Some countries even have more than that. In a lot of cases, it's paid quite generously and it's actively encouraged. And a lot of countries are moving more towards that. In fact, the EU's got a directive that by next year, all EU countries need to have, I think it's at least at least a two months leave that's non-transferable for each parent. Yeah, Australia's be behind the rest of the world and the rest of the world's moving moving further and further away, or the rest of the developed world at least. 
So this Dad Days report is a follow-up to your 2020 report, Cheaper Childcare, and in that you found and presented some shocking statistics about women's unpaid labour, especially around caring for children. Danny, do you mind talking us through that? That's right. So what we found, which was really surprising to me, was that Australia has some of the most gendered divisions of labour in the OECD. Um, so when we look across the population, Australian women on average do about two hours more unpaid work per day than men. And Australian men do, on average, about two hours more paid work than women. Um, and when you kind of drill down into those averages, you, you really see that, that this, this big chasm opens up um, when children are born. So after the birth of a child, big rise in mothers' caring responsibilities, big rise in household load, uh, correspondingly big drop in paid work. Uh, and those patterns um, tend to persist. They, they, they sort of slow down a bit, but they are still there even a decade later. Um, on the other hand, um, when a man has a child, we actually don't see much of a shift in, in time use, a bit of an increase in caring load. Paid work basically continues on as it were before the child was born. Uh, and so that's really what's driving that big gendered split that, that we see in Australia. Um, that feeds into other things that, that really matter, things like the lifetime earnings gap. Um, we identified in, in that same report, Kat, that there's about a $2 million difference in lifetime earnings between men and women that, that have children in this country. So because of that, um, you know, coming out of the workforce for a period when a child is born, perhaps returning part-time, um, being on a more flexible, probably lower-earning career track, um, that has very big implications for women's lifetime earnings. Uh, that in turn has implications for women's economic security. You know, so if every couple um, shared money equally and stayed together forever, maybe that wouldn't be such an issue. But uh, we know couples do break up and we see a big, problem with, uh, for example, older women in poverty. And, and often those are older women that have experienced divorce uh, and the fact that they had those lower lifetime earnings really comes to bite. Yeah. And it's it's quite shocking to see this flow on effect from what seems like a, not a simple decision, but a decision at the time uh, for the mother to look after the children has this huge flow on effect through the lifetime of uh, the parents. Some of the parents out there probably know the answer to this question, Owen, but how has COVID-19 affected the division of labour in couples? It's certainly had a, had a big impact, a bit of a, bit of a shock to the, to the system. And what we've seen at a, on an average basis is that the unpaid workload increased for both women and men during lockdowns and more so for women. Uh, there was a bit of a narrowing in the gender gap, specifically when it came to childcare. But basically, it's a lot more household work for everyone, particularly you know anyone with with uh, with with children at home, because childcare centres or uh, or schools uh, you know closed or doing remote learning can attest to that. What we see is that a lot of families are finding it's a different arrangement, and people are seeing possibly getting more visibility of what the primary care role is through being a, being around the house when it happens, and people are taking on maybe some of the, a different sort of split of some of the household tasks to what they used to. So there's a chance that some of these habits will stick and some of them won't or some of them will affect things differently. And we know the more flexible ways of working are, are something that probably will stick. A lot more people will be working from home a lot more and working flexibly. That can lead to some different divisions of care. So people are more able to share, say, the school pickups and things like that. But there's a risk that um, in the long term, this could actually have send us a bit backwards when it comes to gender equity if it's only almost all women that are using these flexible working options. I think what's really important is policies like uh, things like parental leave that set up habits early on 
that will maybe uh, change the social norms and lead to a more a more equitable sharing of those flexible work options and and care. Yeah, and there's also that perception of home as home and work as work. And if you're at home doing work, there's an assumption that oh well, you can do a bit of housework while you're there, and you know put the clothes on the line and do the dishwashing and that kind of thing. And you know, I personally don't have kids, but I can imagine it would be, you know, 10 times worse for someone who's got little ones running underfoot. The question I do have for you, Danny, here is, I mean, how can this gender equal paid parental leave improve the division of labour in couples if it's only for the first few months of a child's life? Yeah, it's a, it's a really important question. But what we know is that the habits that come into place in those early years do seem to stick. Um, so I think that the idea is really if fathers are there flexing the parenting muscle, as we say in the report, um, they're going to develop parenting skills early on. So, you know, they understand how to change the nappy or give the bottle, uh, you know, give the bath. And that actually then leads to greater engagement in, in future years because they have the kind of confidence to, to be doing those things. Um, there is a lot of literature on this. Um, as Owen said before, we have a lot of these schemes that now exist internationally that do encourage fathers to take some leave. And what we can see from that literature is that fathers that are more involved in year one are also then more involved in, you know, the third year of the child's life, the fifth year of the child's life. So you do see this kind of habit formation. I think the other thing that this plays is it's also building momentum in broader society. Um, so as more fathers take up this leave, and they will when you make it, use it or lose it, um, it just becomes the expectation and the norm. So employers expect fathers to be taking it. Um, that means that fathers are able to ask without facing a career penalty. When they're on leave, they're going to see other dads around, making it more enjoyable for them. Um, so you get this kind of virtuous circle. Uh, the flip side of all that, um, which also comes up in the literature, is, is when men are more involved in caring, um, you see mothers more able to participate in, in the workforce and tend to be working more paid hours. Um, so this really does seem to shift patterns, not just in year one, but in, in subsequent years as well. There's other benefits for families and children as well. Can you talk about those? Use of dad leave is positively associated with fathers having better job satisfaction, better life satisfaction, and uh, better health and wellbeing outcomes as well. Some studies from different countries have shown lower death risk, lower risk of postnatal depression for men through having access to better parental leave schemes. For the mothers, there's a lot of, uh, some studies have shown less mental health issues for, for mothers when, uh, when fathers take more leave and become more, more involved in the parenting. One of the things that comes up is improvements in family relationships as well through having more of a shared experience of parenting. It reduces the parenting stress. There's a study in Iceland that showed that couples were more likely to still be together years on if the fathers had taken leave early on and been more involved in parenting. So there's a lot of you know, a, lot, a lot of family benefits that are that are that are really clear and have been seen in a lot of different countries and a lot of different studies. And for the children, it's it's a really good thing as well. There's a lot of studies have shown a positive link between children having two engaged parents and their development outcomes in terms of cognitive ability, emotional development, and social aptitude. And also just to note our proposals for more generous parental leave schemes will, will benefit sole parent families as well by reducing financial pressure one of the biggest things that can be really hard for single parent families is poverty and material deprivation. So um, anything that puts extra cash in the hands of single parents is, is going to be a real help. And we'll get onto those recommendations in a minute and talk a little bit more about single parents then. 
I do want to go back, though, to this idea of higher workforce participation because the logic in my head says that if we had higher workforce participation by women, wouldn't that reduce men's workforce participation and wouldn't the benefits even themselves out because somebody has to look after the kids at some point. Not everyone can afford babysitters and nannies and have grandparents over. Yeah, and th- that is true to an extent. So what we, we've seen from um, some of the experience in, in Quebec in particular where there's been some studies on the, the effects of their dad leave scheme is that mothers end up spending more time in paid work and fathers end up spending a little bit less time, but the net effect is still an increase. There's a, sort of an immediate economic benefit that flows from that. So that's kind of the short-term economic hit. In the, in the long, medium to long-term, the real kicker comes from better allocation of talent so and, and leading to a productivity increase. What I mean by that is in a lot of cases, what we see is even when the woman is earning more than the man in a couple before they have a child, it's invariably the woman who drops her hours of work to take on extra caring. A, a dad leave policy would open up people's choices a bit to think about maybe doing that differently. And a lot of families might do the same thing, but a lot might um, make some different choices that suit them better. And we would expect to see a productivity increase from, from having more women involved in the workforce in that way. Also, that's all just the economics. Of course, the big thing is to remember is these families are making these choices, not because the men are being forced to take on less hours. We're actually opening up options for them to make these choices themselves. And people are doing that because it's what they want. They're seeing the benefits of that, that increased life satisfaction and the better family relationships that I talked about earlier. So it's not just um, just on the economics. It's it's a really big, you know, this is a really big social policy that can that, that, that can make some real difference. So, Danny, I want to talk about your recommendations in the report, and there are a lot of ways we could introduce gender equal parental leave, um, especially having looked at a lot of the different programs around the world. What do you think is the best solution here for Australia? Word best is always a bit of a loaded one, but um, look, where we landed, Kat, was um, what we're calling a 6-12-6 proposal. Um, So the idea that you have six weeks allocated to each parent, um, 12 weeks to to share between them. You know, if mothers still want to take the 18 weeks that they currently can under the the government scheme, um, they can do that. You have set aside an extra component of leave for dads and partners. Uh, And we're also proposing a bonus two weeks uh, if both parents take their full allocation. Um, So what that does is really supercharge the incentive um, for fathers to take that six-week allocation because it means that it'll be an additional two weeks for the family to use as they want. Um, so under that model, um, families can get up to 26 weeks, up from the, the current 20 weeks, so uh, a sort of a, a big improvement in total allocation. Uh, as Owen mentioned before, we would be recommending that single parents get the full 26 weeks. Um, that's really important, I think, to recognise the additional both financial and emotional challenges of, of single parenting, and we want to make sure that, that single parents are, are looked after. Um, so that is substantially more um, generous than the current scheme, about 25% more more generous. Uh, we did also look at models that are sort of, say, a bit closer to the kind of full Scandi version, um, so longer leave. So we looked at models like 12, 12, 12, so 12 weeks for each and 12 to share as well as, um, you know, upping the rates of pay. So the current the current scheme pays at minimum wage. That's what we've recommended continues. But we look at, you know, what, what would a scheme look like if you're paying at 80% of average weekly earnings or, or even 80% of pre-baby earnings, which is more in line with some of the European schemes. 
those types of schemes, um, understandably, are substantially more expensive, uh, more in the realm of several billion dollars when you make it longer and higher paid. Uh, we think that's probably unlikely to get traction um, in the current fiscal environment. And on top of that, I think schemes that are tied to pre-baby earnings are really hard to, to get to fly in Australia. We've got a really strong culture of means-tested welfare um, and the idea that someone's getting more from the government based on what they earn uh, prior to the baby being born um, is, is something I think that, that doesn't kind of play well in the, the Australian electorate. Um, so we think the 6.12.6 plus two bonus weeks is a, you know, a really good and positive step forward. We think it's generous enough to attract substantial uptake amongst fathers uh, and we're really encouraging to, to the government to build in a lot of flexibility. So allow leave to be taken concurrently or, or separately, um, taken at different points in the, the child's first two years. Um, we really just want to make it as accessible as possible and get families using it in the way that works for them. So, Danny, you tapped into something that's the big question on everyone's lips whenever we put out a proposal. It sounds great, but how much does it cost? And with Australia facing a very difficult economic recovery from the pandemic, can the government afford it right now? Can they afford not to do it, Kat? That's the question. Well, no, but that, it's, it's, it's a very fair question. Um, the, the budget cost of the, the scheme that we're recommending is about $600 million, and that's assuming there's good take-up. So that is, as I said, about a 25% increase on the, the current scheme. Um, but we are estimating some economic paybacks from that. Um, so from the, the increase in workforce participation that Owen was touching on, probably about a $900 million uplift in GDP. Uh, but as Owen said, the bigger economic reform comes in the longer term through um, tapping into our very skilled, very educated female workforce and actually freeing them up to undertake um, the work that, that they want to do and that suits their skills and training. Um, I think when you couple those economic benefits with those other benefits that are so important that Owen was touching on, on quality of life, on satisfaction, on childhood development, uh, it becomes a very compelling proposition and I would argue a, a you know, very worthwhile investment by government. So, Danny, just in wrapping up, if there was one reason that you could urge change to create gender equal parental leave, what would it be? I can't choose just one because what I like about this policy is that it really is win-win-win. So, you know, you the quality of life, as I said, relationships, lives of single parents, children's lives, big step forward for equality. Um, I think what is really important about this is that policy can shape culture. And this change will be self-reinforcing. When men start to take leave, it's going to be easier for others to do that. Um, we're going to see employers, I think, come to the party with things like top-up payments for men because the government's in there setting the floor. Um, so from little things, big things grow. Um, we've seen this happen in other countries, and I think we would see it here too. Thank you so much, Danny. Now, before we wrap up, I mean, we've had some amazing support for producing this report and our work in this area. Is there anyone you want to thank right now? We would really like to thank a number of groups that made this report possible, the Thrive by Five Foundation, the Parenthood and the Colours and Patty Foundation. Um, they, they all contributed to, to making this report possible. I would also like to thank the Truala Foundation, uh, who supports the work of Budgets and Government Programme. So thank you so much, Danny and Owen, for your timely research into gender equal parenting. If you'd like to read the report we've been talking about, you can access it for free on our website at grattan.edu.au. Likewise, you can continue the conversation with us on Twitter at Grattan Inst and social media at Grattan Institute. 
And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please follow us on your favourite podcasting app. As we are in uncertain times, we wish you all very well from the Grattan team and thank you so much for listening.